Does anyone know what the capital of Albania is? <laughs> anyone? Any guesses? Nobody knows? I know someone's Googling, but we won't... Uh, yeah, let, let, let me just uh, start off and say thank you so much again for the opportunity. It's wonderful uh, to be with you guys, to be with like-minded believers. It makes a, a, a minister's job always much easier if you're in like-minded, uh, a like-minded gathering, amen? Where, where you don't have to, I know I don't have to start off at scratch and try and work my way up to a place of sharing things that aren't going to make you fall off your chair. Because you know these things, and I know that you have good teaching here, and it's awesome. I mean, for, for example, turn with me to Acts 13. <coughs> I mean, this is one of those scriptures which most Christians don't believe. <laughs> Acts 13, 39. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. It says, Everyone who believes in Him, Jesus, is set free from sin and guilt, something the law of Moses had no power to do. And yet so, many, uh, so much of the church doesn't believe that. They think that you know, by observing the law of Moses, then you get set free from sin and guilt. But it's the opposite. You know, uh, uh, we've, just been, we've just finished off a series, uh, a grace series in, in our church uh, back, home, or back in the Cape. And um, uh, uh, you know, one of the criticisms that I got from some people who are in and out was uh, you know, by preaching grace, the way you're preaching it, you're just giving people a license to sin. <laughs> But the Bible says the opposite. When you preach in grace properly, it's, it, it gives people freedom from sin. It doesn't give people freedom to sin. Otherwise, you haven't heard the gospel properly. And so, you know, the, the, the message of grace really impacted my life years back. And it impacted uh, me so much that uh, we just kept, couldn't keep the message to ourselves. And as a result, you know, we planted churches. And uh, that's, you know, why we've even reached out into Albania. And uh, which is a very interesting country in that it's uh, formerly communist. And it's mostly Muslim. I think it's 90% Muslim. And so it's very interesting, the, the, the kind of culture that we're trying to reach into there and break through. I mean, you know, this morning they're meeting there, and I think there are about, maybe about 20 people. Uh, but a lot of them are former Muslims. And it's awesome to see how God impacts their lives. And, you know, the, 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 their families are still Muslim. They still live with their families and stuff like that. But it's just amazing how the gospel has impacted them. One testimony... Um, uh, uh, one of the, 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 the second time that I went, about two years ago, we had, um, uh, we called it the Freedom Conference. And so I started sharing, we were just sharing on freedom and stuff. And the culture there is not like ours where we understand church, right? So they don't understand how church works in a sense of worship and then word and, you know, we sit like this. So they don't have this concept of church like we have it. So it, it makes it much more challenging. And so um, I said to the, 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 the leaders that we have there, I said, we're not going to do worship, which I know some people want to think that then God can't pitch. <laughs> but I said, what we'll do is, as soon as we, we get together, we'll have tea and coffee. And uh, then I want you to get up. I said to the pastor, and I said, just say, here's Shane, and I'll get up and I'll, I'll preach. Because I, I know I can do that. I don't need to be worked up. <laughs> I, I'm already wound up. And so, so we did that, and I got up and I, I ministered for 30 minutes because that's as much as they can uh, handle in their culture. And um, I could see, you know, people are sitting there thinking, this is a great message, this is nice, or whatever they're thinking. But it's kind of like what you guys look like now. You know, just kind of receptive, but not really excited or anything like that. And so, you know, what, what I did was I said, well, you know, what good, I, I spoke on what it is to be a Christian. 
What does it mean to be a Christian? And I said, it's relationship with God. That's what Christianity is all about. And then it's having God live inside of you. And if God is living inside of you, it means that wherever you go, you're taking God with you. And you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And they weren't that excited about that. They were just like, wow, that's nice. And so I said, well, let's, let's prove this. And I said, does anyone have lower back pain? I had a word of knowledge. And someone put their hand up and said, I've got shoulder pain. And I said, that's not you. Anyone else? <laughs> and we, we prayed for them later and they got healed. But pulled out someone who, who had a, a, a pain in their hip. And we put out a chair and I said, you know, let's check. And one leg was shorter than the other. And she was crying when we were lifting up her leg. And uh, remember now, this is 90% Muslim, uh, 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 you know, mostly communist background. And she said, well, I didn't ask her for the details, but I, I called up another guy in the church. He prayed for her in a leg group. And she was crying and saying, this is, feels freaky and all this kind of stuff. And afterwards, she shared her testimony. Eight years ago, she had had scoliosis and had to have an operation with a doctor. She went to Italy for the operation. And um, now some of you know kind of where Albania is. And uh, the doctor said, you've got 50% chance of, of surviving this operation. So she survives the operation. And then the doctor said, you're probably going to end up in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. But she was still walking. Then the doctor said, you'll have pain for the rest of your life. See, they, they couldn't figure out what to say to her, so they just kept changing their, uh, you know, their, their, um, their confession. <laughs> and eventually then, uh, she, she had had pain for eight years. Okay? Instantly, it was all gone. You know, instantly it was all gone. And she's perfect and she's whole. You know, one of the awesome things about her testimony is that her dad's in the mafia. And her, her, um, the Albanian mafia makes the Italian mafia look like kindergarten, apparently. <laughs> so you can imagine what kind of background she's coming from. And now the, the gospel, she's one of the translators there now. You know, and it's just beautiful to see how God's building... A, a, a church there to reach out to those people. I mean, he wants to do the same here. He wants to do the same everywhere where we, with the message of the true gospel, are able to take it out into the world and make an impact for him. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not satisfied with a nice church in Stellenbosch. <laughs> really not. You know, not with a nice church in Tigerberg. We launched another church there three weeks ago. Not satisfied with a church anywhere like that. I, I, I want to reach the unreached. Because this message, you know, is too good to keep to ourselves. Amen? But you know, one of the, the, the major problems in the, the, the body of Christ is that we're not seeing ourselves as God sees us. You know, and, 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 and one of the ways that I can explain this is I, I, um, I've experienced it now, coming from the Western Cape up to, um, uh, what are we, Gauteng, and I was also in the Northwest province a bit, and you know, it's amazing. I can stand before you this morning completely clean because I was able to shower this morning. <laughs> With the drought down there, we haven't been able to shower and bath and all of that. You can't even shower by faith because they'll charge you for it. <laughs> but you know what? It's amazing that we've come up, we have buckets in every, um, uh, under every tap, really. And uh, uh, you collect... Uh, uh, every little bit of water to be able to put back into the garden or flush the loos with it. You don't flush with drinking water anymore and things like this. So you become very creative in saving your water to be able to, to use it again. And it's a drought mindset. Yeah, uh, if you, uh, my garden doesn't look that nice right now. 
you know, uh, apparently there's been like over 80, 80 mils of rain in the past week since we've left, so the, the garden's probably looking a bit better, but we've all got a drought mindset, and when coming here, we've even said to each other, my wife and I, um, you know, I, I feel bad, too bad to flush the toilet. <laughs> so we, we, we're living in a, a place where there's no drought, with a, a, a drought mindset, which means we're limiting ourselves from enjoying what we could enjoy in, in Gauteng. I mean, we got over it pretty quickly, <laughs> and we've been bathing every day, bathing, not showering anymore, because it's just, it's just something we haven't experienced in so long. And, and, and yet many Christians, this is how we're living. We're living in a, in a land of abundance, but with a drought mindset, so we can't enjoy the... the, the uh, the abundant life, the fruitful life that God's got for us. So look with me, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 verse uh, 13. It says, He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of His beloved Son. Verse 14, For in the Son all our sins are cancelled, and we have the release of redemption through His very blood. Now there's so much in there. I don't know about you. I grew up uh, charismatic. I also went to a Baptist Sunday school, so I was a bit mixed up. And, uh, you know, just experiencing all of this, really I had a religious mind. Uh, said with regard to Christianity and, 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 and the, the, the Christian life and all of this. And there's a lot of things in here that I didn't believe until I, un- I had a revelation of grace, God's goodness, God's unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor, what Jesus has done for me and is freely offering me. And you know, one of the things was that all sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through His very blood. You know, I, I never used to believe that my sins were forgiven. Most of the church doesn't believe that still. We, we believe that we're only forgiven when we ask for forgiveness. <laughs> we believe that, that we, we, we're only uh, 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 forgiven by God when, we say, when we're very sorry and we're pleading for him, begging Him for forgiveness. And yet this says, for in the Son, all our sins are cancelled and we have, uh, let's just pause there, all our sins are cancelled. So in Christ, all your sins are cancelled. And now that you're in Christ, all your sin is cancelled. Yeah. All your sin is cancelled, meaning there isn't some which isn't forgiven. It's been forgiven. Yes, you need to receive that and walk in it, but you know, one of the keys to walking in victory is to see yourself as God sees you, which means to see yourself as forgiven. And as long as you don't see yourself as forgiven, as long as you see yourself as trying to get forgiven, you're not going to uh, enjoy the abundant life. You know, I, I, I've done all those weird charismatic rituals where you're writing down all your sins on a piece of paper and, you know, you, you burn it or you nail it to a cross or you, you crawl under this, the eye of the needle thing that they've set up, this tabernacle. And I've done that all. I used to blow the shofar in church. Uh, you know, I used to enjoy the, the Jewish stuff. And, and, and then I read Galatians and I was set free. And then I realized, you know, that, 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 that is something which we don't have to subscribe to. Relationship with God is through Jesus, not through our religious rituals. And, and yet, we, 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 you know, in all of that, what you're trying to do is constantly try and get closer to God by dealing with your sin. Hello? 
we, we, if you go into the Christian bookshops, this is, this is what a lot of Christian books and CDs and stuff focus on. How to get closer to God through dealing with your sin. If, we, if we're really honest, that's what Christianity is mostly about. It's not the correct view, but most of Christianity is about trying to deal with sin to get closer to God. And yet the only way to get closer to God is through Jesus and through faith in Jesus. Okay, we'll look at that now in a moment, but it says He has rescued us completely. Now, it's, it's past tense there. Can you put it up in the King James Version there, please? It is there. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Put verse 13 there, please. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. So it's past tense. He's delivered us already. How many Christians are trying to be delivered? He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. You've been removed from the drought mindset and have been placed, or the drought itself, and you've been placed in a, a, a land of abundance and yet the problem is, is we still all have this, mostly have this drought mindset living in a land of abundance. Okay, so it says he has rescued us completely. Not, not just a little bit, but completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. So you've been taken out of one kingdom and have been placed into another. Okay, you've been taken out of darkness and been placed into... Light. You've been taken out of sickness and have been placed into health. And yet so many of us are living in the, the land of health with a, a sickness mentality. We've been placed into the land of abundance, but we've got a, a mindset of lack. Yeah, uh, I don't mean to plug a book, but <laughs> the, the, this book, I wanted to speak on this a bit this morning, but I'm not getting there. But how to be happy, the reason why I put this together was because most Christians aren't happy. <laughs> and it's all got to do with your perspective. That's what we're talking about this morning. You've got to see yourself as out of the kingdom of darkness, and you've got to see yourself in the kingdom of light, and it's a, it's, it's a, a place of joy. It's a place of happiness. Jesus was the happiest person on earth. His followers should be the happiest people on earth. But most of us look like we've been baptized in lemon juice. It's true. Yeah, and, and this, you know, a lot of this is to deal with finances. Because finances is one of the biggest things that trips us up as Christians. Don't have money and we're unhappy. Yeah, and, and, and one of the things that I speak about here is just, just if, you, if you look at um, Jesus feeding the, the, the 5,000 men, there's probably about 20,000 people there because of the women and the children. And he asked what? Anyone know? How much did he feed them with? Five loaves, two fishes. And, and what does he do? He, he looks at the little bit in his hands, and what does he do? This will never be enough. He, he didn't have a, a, a shortage mentality like the, the church does. I, I'll never be able to do what I need to do with what I've got. What does he do? He looks at it, and he gives thanks. He blesses it, and then it's enough. We, we, we've had to adopt this mentality as well as a, as a ministry because you know, there, there's never enough money in the bank to be able to do what you want to do. But we're not limited by our bank account. <coughs> you know, we, 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 we know that God is our provider and that we haven't, we, our con constant confession is we have an endless supply, more than enough, all that we need. And because we have an endless supply, if we need to do something, we do it and the money always follows. 
Because we don't, you know, kingdom way is not making decisions according to what you have. It's making decisions according to what God says. And if God says go, then you go. You know, there's never been one mission trip. I've been on many, but there's never been one mission trip that I've gone on that I didn't commit to go to before I had the money. It's always, like we said last week, you speak or you make a decision and then there's a response. You know, God spoke and then the world came into existence. We believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth and then we're saved. It's, a respo- it's, 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 it's the reaction to what we do. Okay? Our positive response to what God's already done then makes it manifest. I guess it's the same thing with finances. It's you make the decision based on what God's saying to you and then the finances come. Like otherwise you wouldn't need faith. Because you'd just be walking by sight. We've got the money, let's do this. We've got the money, let's do this. Now we had, I don't know why I'm on this, someone must need to know it. But there was one meeting that we were in maybe about four or five years ago. It was a, 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 a leadership meeting and we were sitting in our, 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 um, our meeting room and um, yeah, the, the, the finance guys were saying we don't have enough money. Uh, we've got to, I think it, if I remember correctly, we, we needed 30,000 rand by the end of the week or something like this and they were panicking a bit. And I, I got angry <coughs> at the, the attitude of unbelief in the room. We're all on the same page, but I mean, if you're focusing on the storm, we're all going to be affected, right? As long as you're focusing on the storm, you're going to be affected. If you're focusing on what God's done for you, if you're focusing on His promises, you're not going to be moved. Okay, so I, I got angry in the meeting and I was like, I don't want anyone to talk. <laughs> and so I taught them on faith for a, a, about half an hour and I just spoke about what the Word says on faith and believing God and you know, my God shall supply all our needs and, and all of that. And, and I just said, now I'm going to pray and I don't want anyone else to pray, I'm praying. <laughs> And I just said, in the name of Jesus, we just declare a release of finances. Thank you, Father, that you're ministering to people's hearts that they will give this week. They'll give abundantly. They'll give out of an overflow. And I thank you that this is so, uh, settled and sorted out in Jesus' name. The next day, I, uh, I had a, um, a notification on email come through that someone had paid, I don't know how they worked this out, but they hadn't given for a year. And so they decided that they were going to give their year, <laughs> year giving for the past year up now. And it came to, I think, 40,000 or 60,000 rand in an instant like that. And, and I just said, I, I walked into the meeting with that, 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 that proof of payment. <laughs> and I said, told you so. And it wasn't me, it, it, it is God. But I said, I couldn't have orchestrated this. This is God. We need to trust in Him. <coughs> Even if we're living in shortage, we've got to have an abundance mentality because my God shall supply all our need according to His riches and glory. You know, we've got to, we've got to start to see things the way God sees it. That, I like to define faith like this. It's seeing what God sees and in saying what God says. Believing what God believes. It's not a, a, a trying to manufacture something. Faith isn't manufacturing something. Faith is really just believing in what is. The problem is a lot of Christians don't believe what is. What is? Well, if you look at His grace and everything is provided, it's already done, so you're just looking and going, oh, great, I have that. That's mine. So, you know, we, we need to learn to live in this place of seeing ourselves as God sees us. 
like I said, seeing ourselves a, a, a healed, seeing ourselves as, as, as um, righteous even, seeing ourselves as, as provided for, as, as children of God who are, have everything that we need for life and for godliness to be able to accomplish uh, what God has called us to do. How many of you believe you know, God has called us and, and desires for us to be able to live in victory? To be able to live a, a, a victorious Christian life where we're reigning in life, reigning over sin, reigning over the devil, reigning over you know, the, the, the um, attacks of the world, including financial attacks, including health and whatever else it throws at us. God wants us to reign in life. Amen? But how, you know, you could define that as success. God wants us to be successful in life. But then you look at it and you're like, how do I become successful? Now think about it for a moment. Just, 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 just think about it uh, 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 by yourself for a moment. How do you, uh, how how can you become successful? Oh yes, it's all God. Amen. How do you become successful? How do you reign in life? How do you see uh, yourself walking in victory and living the abundant life? Because even in so-called gray circles, we, we, we don't all have the same answer. Yeah, you, you could say, okay, if grace is everything that Jesus has done for us and is freely offering us, then to, you know, it, it's got nothing to do with what we do. Everything to do with what He's done for us, right? Look at Romans 11, verse 6. It says, And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So it's separating work and grace. You can't add any work to the finished work of Jesus and His grace for you. And yet so many of us think that success comes from our work and our effort. And yet there's a supernatural element involved in in success with God that isn't related to your work. It's related to His grace. And there's one work, like Jesus said, one work that you need to do in order to, to uh, experience His grace. Okay? It's, um, Jesus said in Mark 1.15, Repent ye and believe the gospel. You know, we, we often think that the repentance is what's going to bring the, the victory. But we think of repentance as turning from sin. When it's not. What is repentance? It's a change in your mind. Metanoia. And so all you're doing is you're starting to think like God thinks. Once again, we're living in a land of shortage, with, but we shouldn't have a shortage mentality. We've got to have a victory mindset. We've got to have an abundance mindset. We've got to think like God thinks. You, know, you, 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 you might have little in your hands, but you're like, thank you, Father, this is more than enough. We speak blessing over this little that we've got. And then you'll see it stretch. You'll see it accomplish much more than you could ever get it to accomplish. Okay? And, and Jesus said, this is the work of God that you may believe. So your work is to simply believe. Just to look to Jesus and believe what, what He says. Believe what He's done for you. And then the, 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 the grace starts to kick in. But as long as you add work to the grace, it neutralizes it. And then, then there's no grace, there's no power flowing. That's why the church by and large is in the position that it's in. Because we're mixing all our efforts, all our work with His grace and it doesn't work. 
you know, we, we kind of have this mindset often of, you know, I'll do my best, God will do the rest. Let's root that religious thing out the ground right now. You know, <coughs> it's a nice saying, but we shouldn't be saying it. <laughs> it's terrible, actually. I, I'll do my best, God will do the rest. It works. Jesus did it all. And I'm just relaxing and, and believing and I'm receiving and I'm enjoying what He's freely offering. That's grace. Yeah, but surely you've got to do something. I believe, you know, you do your best, it's, it's 20% and then God covers the rest, 80%. Yeah, it may be you doing your best and it's 99% and you're like, you only need 1% grace or it's even reversed or it's not good enough, you fail. It's all grace or all works. And we live in victory, we, we, we enjoy a successful Christian life, not by what we do, but by what He has done for us and our faith in that. Okay, so we need to let go of this works mentality and start believing in what He's done for us. Yeah. I, I like to, to, to put it like this. I, I, this is my fa- one of my favorite examples. And that is, you know, if you were to bake a brownie, or bake, uh, s- let's say I said I made some brownies this morning for everyone, and uh, uh, part 1% of that brownie, that beautiful chocolate brownie, is um, from Cape Town, from my dog Champ. It's his poop. And I took 1%. And I put it into that brownie. Would you eat it? I hope not. <laughs> because it, it's contaminated everything. Even the slightest bit of work contaminates grace. It's got to be all Jesus. Because as long as you're relating to God based on what you can do for Him, it's works, it's law, and it doesn't, God doesn't accept that. What He accepts is faith. I guess so Romans chapter 5, verse 1. The Passion Translation says, Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and He now declares us flawless in His eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and yet so many Christians are trying to be righteous by what they do, when, when we put faith in what Jesus has done for us, we're automatically declared righteous. Or as the writer says here, flawless in His eyes. Righteousness means we're righteous by faith, not by works. Amen? And righteousness means you're flawless in His eyes. God sees you as perfect. That sets you up for victory. That sets you up to live the victorious life. Because you've got God's favor on you because He sees you as flawless. This means we can all enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. It's all about what Jesus has done for us, not what we can do for Him. I was driving uh, uh, from Harare up to Nakonde, which is in the northeast side of, uh, um, not Tanzania, it's close to Tanzania, but uh, Zambia. And uh, we drove through Lusaka on Easter weekend (coughs) to go and minister at a a pastor's conference. And... um, this one huge church had this massive banner outside. You know, big, the banner is bigger than this room. That's how big the church was. And on this banner, they had a, a picture of a crown of thorns. And it said, Jesus gave his life for you. The least you could do is give your life for him. That's terrible. You know, as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's terrible. Because he didn't give his life so you would give your life. 
He gave His life so you would receive His life. And when you receive His life, obviously, you're going to start to live for Him. It's a natural overflow. But in religion, we try and we, we always put the cart before the horse and we say, you know what, you've got to live for God in order for God to accept you. The Bible doesn't say that. You believe and He accepts you. If you look at Romans chapter 5, verse 17, this is where I've been aiming to get. <laughs> it says, For if by one man's offense death reign by one, who's that talking about? Adam. Because of Adam, all of a sudden death reigns. Because of Adam, the, there's chaos in the world. Because of, you know, we, we often blame God for all the chaos. <laughs> God's, it's not God's fault. He's not guilty. He's not the one who brought destruction, heartache, pain and suffering into the world. It was the, the transgression of Adam and Eve. It was their mistake. And now death reigned by one. But look at the good news here. It says, much more. Everyone say, much more. Now, if you go look through this, this, this chapter, you'll see again and again it says much more. I've got a teaching entitled The Much More Gospel. Because yeah, this is the gospel of much more. What Jesus did is greater than what Adam did. Most Christians don't believe that. They say they believe that, but in practice they don't believe it. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness, shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is telling us how we can be successful in, in our Christian life. This is showing us how we can uh, reign in life. And it says that, uh, uh, firstly, I'm going to start with the end, it says reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. You cannot reign in life apart from Jesus Christ. You will never live at the level of success that He's got for you without relationship with Him. John 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life being not that we live forever, but that we have relationship with Him. Because John 17 3 defines eternal life as this is eternal life, knowing the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So Jesus, uh, the reason Jesus came was so that we wouldn't perish in this life and in the afterlife, but He also came so that we would have eternal life, which is relationship with Him, which is a friendship with Him. You know, and yet church has made it out to be a religious thing. It's not a, it's not a religious thing. It's a relationship. Okay, so we, we reign in life through relationship with Jesus. He's the power source for the victorious Christian life. You can't experience victory. You can't experience success without being plugged into Jesus. So we need to be plugged into Jesus to experience that supernatural flow of life and power in our lives. Okay, verse uh, 17. It also says that we reign in life. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. So, we need to receive the gift of righteousness and an abundance of grace. Okay, so firstly, the abundance of grace. I love that. Because it's saying abundance of grace being more than enough. It's not just enough. It's more than enough. And yet, when it comes to thinking about a, a, a grace, we often think that, oh, I, I, I don't know if there's enough for me. God, I wonder if God could forgive me for this. And yet the Bible says we need an abundance of grace to reign in life. Yeah, uh, uh, one of the arguments I've had uh, uh, come up against me when I preach grace is that you know, you're giving people a license to sin. And in order to help people live 
pure, holy lives, what do they need to do? They need some instruction. <laughs> you, you need to give them the law. You need to tell them how to live. No? You know, it, says, you know, it doesn't say that we reign in life and we live victoriously because of an abundance of rules and regulations and instructions and principles. Now, there's some good principles in the Word of God. Amen? But you don't reign in life through principles. You don't, you, you don't even reign in life through the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs has some wonderful things to say to us. Things that we, if we apply them, that, that they will definitely help us. But we don't reign in life through principles. We reign in life through Jesus, through an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Abundance of grace meaning there's more than enough. You can never exhaust God's grace. But, you know, we often look at it, immature Christians, let me say, would look at it and say, uh, 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 an abundance of grace is for when I mess up. That means I can mess up some more. Let's ask the, 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 uh, the question that comes up. Because of God's abundant grace, can I go live in sin? What's the answer? Yes! <laughs> because I use the word can. <laughs> Romans chapter 6 verse 1 says, Shall we go live in sin? And the answer is no. God forbid. Shall we go live in sin that God's grace may increase? No. We shouldn't do it. It's stupid. It's dangerous. But... Can we go live in sin? Yes. You shouldn't. It'll damage you. It'll harden your heart towards God. But can you? Yes. Because God's grace is an abundance of grace. You can never exhaust His grace. Should you? No. Why? Because it's going to take you farther than you want to go. It's going to make you stay longer than you want to stay. And it's going to make you pay more than you want to pay. You can live in sin, but you shouldn't. Because sin is going to destroy you. But we all need an abundance of grace, not just for when we sin, but an abundance of grace to, because it's, your grace is also His, His ability, His empowering. And when we receive that, it enables us to live farther than we could live. Okay, then it says, receive the gift of righteousness. And this is probably one that I enjoyed preaching on the most, but we need, to, we need to receive the gift of righteousness in order to reign in life. Why? Because when you know that you're right with God, It'll make you as bold as a lion. Proverbs 18.1 When you know who you are in Christ, it causes you to rise up to live at a level that you couldn't live at before you knew who you were. Righteousness is what should be setting us apart from, from the world. Us understanding that we are right before God. You know, I, I like this definition of righteousness. Righteousness is standing in the presence of God without any feeling of inferiority. If you were to, to, to just experience God face to face right now, we shouldn't be responding like Old Testament saints flat on our face going, woe is me. Because now you are right before God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So that's saying that you, you've been made you know, through your, 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 um, your faith in Jesus, you've been made right with God. You are 100% right with God 100% of the time. You know what you could also say is you could say that you are uh, never in God's bad books. As a Christian, you are 100% right with God 100% of the time. It's not your righteousness, it's His righteousness. 
It says that you were made the righteousness of God. Some translations use the word become. So that we might become the righteousness of God. It's not wrong, but we look at that wrong when we see become. Because we think, I need to become something. It's not about becoming something. It's about realizing who you have become the moment you said yes to Jesus. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you became righteous. The moment you said yes to Jesus, your whole nature changed and now you are 100% right with God 100% of the time. Before Him, you are always right, even when you do wrong, because He's accepting you according to your spirit. 1 John 4 verse 17 says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we might have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is right now, so are you. And when you realize that, that you are one, you know, if you had a scale, you're Jesus on this side, and then we put you on this side, it would do this. And you would be perfectly balanced with Jesus. Not because you're Jesus, but because you're just like Jesus. You've been made right before God because of what Jesus has done for you, and it's because of your faith in Him. Remember Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Our faith in Jesus has transferred God's righteousness to us. So now you didn't work to earn that righteousness. Straight away that righteousness is put on you. And now you are made, you're, you're, you're counted righteous. And when we see ourselves as righteous, we start to act righteously. When we see ourselves as, 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 as God sees us as holy, Hebrews 10.10, we see ourselves as holy, it's, we'll start to live holy. Yeah, and yet you've got... Most of religion is trying to get Christians to live holy because it's the right thing to do. But that's trying to do the right thing without the power. We shouldn't be trying to get people to live holy. We should be trying to get to see themselves as holy because Proverbs 23 verse 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You can change the heart, you can change the so is he. You can change what they're, how they're acting, how they're living. Amen? So my encouragement to you this, this, this morning is really just to start to see yourself as God sees you. Because then you're going to rise up to live at a higher level. If you can see yourself as righteous, pure and holy and full of power and life and healing and prosperity and all of that inside of you, then you'll start to act like it. Amen? Don't live in a land of abundance with a drought-stricken mentality. Don't live in the land of abundance as a kingdom citizen with a, a mindset of a, a drought-stricken mentality. Because it's only going to cause you to suffer. Amen. Father, I want to thank you. That you've set us up to reign in life and to be victorious. You've set us up to be able to enjoy abundance. Not just for abundance sake, but for us to be able to, 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 to fulfill the calling which you have for us, to be able to reach the people that you've got for us to reach, to be able to enjoy this life, Father. And I just thank you for all of us, that we would start to see ourselves as you see us, Father. That we would be living in the land of abundance as kingdom citizens, with a, 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 without this drought-stricken mentality, without us seeing ourselves as 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 as, as you know, at a disadvantage, but that we would see ourselves as at the advantage that you see us at. Blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We are power-packed and fully loaded. We've got everything we need for life and for godliness. 
Help us to see that, Father. We've got all the righteousness that we need to be able to live righteous. Thank you, Father, that there's enough power in this room to transform this nation. But it starts with allowing ourselves to be transformed. And so, Father, I thank you that you help us to move our mindset and start to see ourselves as blessed, start to see ourselves as prosperous, because that's what you say about us. That's what's true. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I just feel on my heart that, that there's some of you here, and this is maybe a message which you, you it's not new for you, but, but, but God's just wanting you to start to see that we, we, we all need to grow in this. You know, we, we grow in it by, 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 by changing our hearts, by changing our way of thinking, but then also by changing the way that we, 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 we talk. We start to talk the language of faith, the language of heaven, the language of I've got an abundant supply, more than enough, all that I need. You might be facing challenges, you might be in a storm right now, and God's just saying, hey, don't focus on the storm, focus on me. Focus on me. Keep seeing what I see. Look in my eyes and you'll see what I see. Listen to my heart and say what I say. Don't say what you see. Say what you, you want to see. Don't say what you see. Say what I say. Thank you, Father. With your eyes closed, just, just allow God just to speak to your heart for a minute. I really just feel like you know, it, we, we, we reign in life through relationship with Him, and He's wanting just to speak words of, of, of destiny into your heart right now. He's wanting to speak words of, of victory into your life, words of identity. Thank you, Father. Thank you.